Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you. Seems like it's been a long day. <laughs> I'll tell Phil on the way over here, I felt tired. <laughs> you know what? You know, God energizes us. Amen. <laughs> so God is good. So, you know, we've been talking and going along with things. I'm going to jump into this word. Uh, as y'all know, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Some of y'all. And I missed a huge, huge game. <laughs> So I said, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to just record it and I'll get to it after service. Go no Clemson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God is more important than football. He's more important than Georgia Bulldogs. But I will say years ago, I probably couldn't have said that. So, <laughs> but I've come a long way. So, we've been dealing with, uh, you know, enduring faith for the end times, and uh, how is it, it's important for us to have this faith, and I don't think I touched on it, but, you know, we've been in the end times since Jesus, Jesus' resurrection, That's right. and, and uh, it's been important for us as a body of believers, Christians, all throughout the years, for us to be in faith, and we talked about how now, yeah, we're, we're in the final hours. You know, the signs of the times are there. We're in the final hours. You know, we don't know when he's coming, but we have to be ready. And, you know, there'll be a lot of deception going on in these end times. But we have to be prepared. And we talked about conspiracies, and then we tied it into Nehemiah, and we're going to continue with Nehemiah today, and how they conspired against him. And I'm pretty sure we all probably been victim of conspiracies, and I shared one with y'all last week after service. I was just... Victim of a conspiracy, what, a couple weeks ago, and but you know, to God be the glory. Amen. You know, and I had to handle it a certain way that God wanted me to handle it, but I had to seek God for prayer because I, I will say, you know, y'all y'all heard me say that I dealt with it and I contacted the person, but years ago I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have just kept quiet and laid on, but God wanted me to deal with it. Now, in that doesn't mean we deal with it every time. Some, often we have to let God fight our battles. And a lot of times we don't do that because we want to defend ourselves. And with that, I had to be on guard that I wouldn't go into my flesh with that person as well. Because my job at that point, I know right from wrong. They don't know right from wrong. And my job is still to pray for that person. Right? I'm not saying it's easy on the flesh, but that is our responsibility as, as Christians. Amen. So we got into uh, Nehemiah chapter 6 and we're going to go back there. And, you know, uh, we talked about how they were building the wall. And if they didn't have the wall there, they would be vulnerable. Vulnerable to attacks of the enemies. And I will say this, that there's no way, you know, we, we talked about the enemies and we're going to deal with these same enemies again. These same three that kept coming after Nehemiah. And there's nowhere in scripture that tells, that tells us why they were coming after them. Exactly. We're left to speculate, and you know, but there's some things that, that that will lead us, especially as we go through the book on Nehemiah on Wednesdays, that that will show us on, that will give us reason, probability on why they were doing what they were doing, because they had access. They were marrying the women there. They had access to the women. They had access to the riches they had, because when they left Babylon, they left. They didn't leave poor. They left. Even the ones, even the Jews that stayed, were giving them stuff. To take back. So they had actually, we'll, we'll see that as we go through on Wednesday. We're not
not going to go to it today, but because um, that comes towards the end of the uh, of the book, rather. So the interesting we we talked about Nehemiah being a man of prayer. We saw that and being a man that was a good leader, and you know. The good thing about Nehemiah, and we'll see as we go through this week when you read chapter 2 for Wednesday, that Nehemiah didn't divulge everything on why he was there. So when he got there, the people didn't know why he was there. He knew, but he didn't disclose it to the people. And then when he got there at nighttime, he went to go view the wall. And when he came back, he decided to tell the leaders. And when he told the leaders, they got stirred up. They got stirred up and they got to work right away. And, and you'll see as you read in uh, chapter 3, all the people got together and they started working. Men, women, rich, poor, even the leaders. They weren't just sitting back. And they were all put their hands to the plow. Because Nehemiah, God gifted him with great leadership. And when you have good leadership, great leadership, it motivates the people. I, you know, y'all know I've served, had a career in the Navy and I've served under some great leaders and some not so good leaders. And the ones that are great, people will run through a brick wall for. And they don't even have to ask you to do it. You, you, you're just going to do it because that's just, they just motivate you that much that you're willing to do that. And that's what a great leader is, and that's what we see in Nehemiah. So, we saw how the enemies, we went through uh, the first four verses here. First four verses in Nehemiah chapter 6, and we're going to finish out the chapter here today. Uh, and how these uh, enemies came, and we talked about how we can get things just from this chapter alone, and how we need discernment. We need discernment in the end times, and we need discernment against conspiracies and things like that. And we've seen examples, and we're going to see more examples of this with Nehemiah today. And uh, I talked about how the enemy comes to do what? To distract, right? To discourage, and to deceive. To bring dece deceive, bring deception. And we talked about distract last week, so now we're going to talk about the other two today. All right, so going to Nehemiah chapter 6. Beginning at verse 5. Then Sambalot sent his servant to me as before, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, remember I talked about Geshem being a gossip. So it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these Rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. Verse 7. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. So let's stop right there. So we talked about last week how four times they told Nehemiah to come. Here's the fifth time they're telling Nehemiah to come. And I'm sure that this message is probably tired of coming because... He's trying to get Nehemiah, and Nehemiah's giving the same answer, no. And that's what we have to give sometimes to people. When they say come, we need to say no, just like I talked about last week. So, it is reported among the nations. What it being, it is reported. It's always sometimes, whenever we involve, we all work before, and if we're not working now, we all work before, and usually jobs, jobs. Rumors go around the jobs, especially as government employees. Rumors are always floating around, right? And... We never know where they get started. It's always somebody said. And then, even if somebody brings you a rumor about you, you want to know who said it. But then the person that brings it rarely ever tells you who said it. Why? Because they don't want you to go back and name them out. 
And she was like, well, I just heard somebody say this. I was at the water fountain. I heard people talking, but <laughs> I don't recognize them, but I heard it. So here we have Geshem. Geshem is a... You know what this is? Pot That's what Geshem. All about Nehemiah, he's a little pot stirrer. Right? So, Geshem, <laughs> we got a bunch of Geshems in the body of Christ today. We got a bunch of Geshems, and we should not have a bunch of Geshems as Christians. But we have a lot of uh, Geshems in the body of Christ. Pastor, Pastor, Deacon so and so said this. Or, Elder so and so, does Pastor know you're doing this? And here's a, here's a real example. I was at a church one time and we were having a meeting. And uh, thank God it wasn't, I wasn't a victim of this. <laughs> so we're having a meeting. Uh, it's about evangelism. And um, we invited some people in. And then one person was over another area, another ministry. And um, the leader that was over, that was running and organizing, this evangelistic meeting, he was just coming up, we were coming up with ideas and things like that. So the, the couple people that weren't on the team, they were invited. One came, one was talking and they began to feel threatened, like we were stepping on their toes in reference to um, we were going to try to copy what they were doing in their ministry. Um, and, you know, we weren't trying to do that. So we, we, Broke away from the meeting, and then we come back, probably about a week later or two weeks later, um, for, for a meeting. And then, so now the leader's going, hey, we, we, you know, this is what we talked about. What are your ideas, blah, blah, blah. And then this person comes back and says, um, well, pastor's wife said we shouldn't. And then everybody ignored it. And then they kept saying, pastor's wife said this. Pastor's wife said this. And then finally, Lisa, what are you talking about? Pastor's wife said this. How does Pastor White know anything about this? Because I haven't even shared any of this with Pastor yet. Oh, well, I just was mentioning to Pastor what we were talking about. Pastor White, what we were talking about. No, it person was trying to be a pop star. And, and the person got mad at him. And then he, he, he ended up calling the next day to apologize to everybody. But I understood why he got mad. Because the person knew what they were doing. Because the person had a certain position. And felt threatened by that. See, we can't be threatened by positions, and it's important for us to know who we are in Amen. God. Amen. And we're going to get to an example of that here later. So, all right. So, real quick. So, um, it says at, at the beginning here, verse five, that they, an open letter came. So, a little bit of history here. Open letters. They didn't do that back in that time. In order for an official, an important official, a governor, a king, and they send official notice about something. They're going to seal the letter with their signet. Why? Because they don't want other people to know what they're discussing, number one. And also, that way, the recipient would know that it's a legitimate letter. So when you send something that's open, that's not sealed, now all of a sudden, what you have is everybody can read it. So, Sambalot knew what he was doing by sending this open letter. So, every time this messenger comes to a city on his way to Nehemiah, Everybody's seeing this letter. So they're reading this and saying, hey, it is being reported. It is being reported. And all this gossip is now starting to spread to other people. So Nehemiah could have said, wait a minute. What if the king gets a hold of this? See, remember, the king trusted Nehemiah to come back 
to rebuild the wall. And the king also expected Nehemiah to come back at a certain time because he asked him, hey, when are you coming back? How long do you need? And see, it was important for, so that was a sign right there to Nehemiah that something's not right. Even though he already knew the same, the same group wasn't right. He already knew not to go back and meet. But Nehemiah could have been afraid and said, you know what, let me send word to the king. All right, so let's look at uh, verse 8. Then I sent to him, this is Nehemiah's response, saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. So remember I said Nehemiah never prayed for deliverance. He prayed for strength. Whatever it is that they were throwing at him, he prayed for strength. And see, the, the, the good thing about Nehemiah is he was secure in his relationship with God. Because if he wasn't secure and if he was trying to please the king, he would have ran to the king. And he would have sent notice to the king, but he never did that. Why? Because he was secure in who he was with God. We have to be secure in who we are with God. We can't be running to people and trying to be people pleasers all the time, trying to suck up to this pastor, that pastor, and, and doing these things. We don't, we, we're not to suck up to anybody Amen. like that. So, again, everything we do, we're to do unto the Lord, not unto man. But if we're working unto God, then our work unto man will show and reflect that. And that was the example that we showed that we can see with Nehemiah as his job as a cupbearer. So, Nehemiah had no need to panic in this because, again, like I said, he was secure in his relationship. He was secure in his relationship with God. And anybody who's not secure in their relationship with God, they're going to run to people. They're going to run to people. Whether or not you're going through something, whether or not you're trying to please somebody, you're going to run to people. So it, it, if you find yourself running to people, then you need to be secure and work in your relationship with God. And the reason why Nehemiah could be secure in his relationship with God, because we saw in chapter 1, what did he do? He prayed. Every decision he made, he prayed about. And, and like I told you all before, and you'll see it in, in chapter 2, going from verse 1, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, uh, chapter 2 this week, that he prayed for this for four months. Four months. This wasn't just a week prayer or an overnight prayer or a couple weeks. No, he prayed for four months. So he didn't panic. And even when the king asked him, in chapter 2, even when the king asked him, what is bothering you? Before he answered the king, he prayed. He didn't just come out and just tell him, hey, well, this is what I need. No, he prayed. Everything he did, he was led by prayer. And that's how we have to do it. Everything we do, we have to be led by prayer. Not by our feelings, not by emotions, not by relationships, not, not by familiar voices, and things like that. Amen. All right, so we talked about... Uh, Number one, being distracted. We talked about that last week. Uh, and then see, what he was trying to do is discourage them because when they, when Nehemiah talked about, they were trying to weaken their hands to keep them from doing the work. To keep them, This was actually a big project. And when I said that Nehemiah never told them what he was doing, when they initially started rebuilding the wall, the enemies started laughing because it was a big project. They, it had been ruined. It had been ruined for over 150 years just sat there. And here comes Nehemiah. And the reason why the enemy started to get afraid is because now they see the people going to work and working together. Just like I told you, the rich, the poor, the leaders, the men, the women, they're going to work and they're putting in the time. 
and they put in the effort and they trust in God. So now, because they, they even, there's one part where you'll see as we go that um, they said, well, even if they repair the wall, as soon as the fox jumps on it, it's going to knock it over again. But once they saw here that it was up, now they tried to come in and to discourage Nehemiah. Why? Because if they could discourage Nehemiah, they're discouraging the leader. Why? Because remember, the people just sat there doing nothing for all these years until Nehemiah comes. So that's why you have to pray for your leaders. Right? Not just in the church, but also for the country as well. Because if you take out the leaders, now, if the leader's not doing right, the people are not going to do right. But if the leader is strong, the people will be strong. So it's important for us to not take our leaders for granted, regardless of our own personal feelings for them and things like that. All right, so let's move on to uh, chapter, uh, excuse me, same thing, chapter 6 and uh so now we'll come to point number three. And this thing here, this one here, is very prevalent in the body of Christ today. All right. Uh, which is deceit. Verse 10. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemariah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehedabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. So understand, you would think going to a temple, going to a church would be a safe place, right? <laughs> it would be a safe place. Now, Shemaiah was a priest. He was a prophet. He was a leader. He is somebody who the people go to for direction, for guidance. He's giving him bad information. Why is that? How does, how does Nehemiah realize that? Verse 11. And I said, should such a man as I flee, and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Again, he's the leader. If Nehemiah goes in there, number one, to go high, then what are the people going to think about? The leader's, the leader's afraid, so let us be afraid. The leader's afraid of the enemies, so let us be afraid of the enemies. Okay? Then, verse 12, then I perceived, which is another word for discernment, then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sabalot had hired him. The same stuff goes on in church today. You think about it, even, here's a perfect example, whenever it's election time, you know, prior to election time, you never see political figures around the church. When it comes to election time, where do they normally be at? In the church. Have your people vote for me, we'll give you this. And no president is exempt. Every president has been guilty of that. Right? So the same stuff goes on today. But Nehemiah knew according to the law that he could not go into there because it was only allowed for the priest to go in there. That's what got King Uzziah in trouble in Isaiah, in our Chronicles. Because he went into the temple when he wasn't supposed to go in the temple. Nehemiah knew that. See, so not only did they try to get Nehemiah to try to be afraid before the people, but also try to break the law, because if you get him to break the law, now the people distrust him. And now if they distrust him, they're going to stop working for him. See, Sambalot was no dummy. He was smart. This is why you have to be careful. You have to have discernment. Because sometimes we think people mean good for us, but they actually mean to do us harm. Mm -hmm. And you know what it is? It'll usually be, and see, the enemy, especially in this last hour, it's not going to be unfamiliar voices. It's going to be familiar voices like Shemaiah. People who we know. 
friends, family members, brothers and sisters in Christ, pastors, speaking to us, trying to get us to do things against the Word of God. And again, another example that we've seen even during leading up to this most recent election, when people were saying, prophesying, hey, don't do this, do this, and they're doing what? They're going against the Word of God, against the government. And then you have other ministers that were making excuses for them, saying it's okay. But no, it's not okay because it went against the Word of God. Amen. We don't go. The Word of God is the final authority. Amen. It doesn't matter what I say if it's not lining up the Word of God. You follow Amen. me as I follow Christ. Amen. If I'm not following the Word, then you don't follow me. Amen. Right? So, just like I said, I'm accountable to you all. Amen. I'm not special. Amen. But we're all special. God, y'all know what I mean. <laughs> I'm not exempt. So the same thing I hold y'all to, the same thing I, I got to be held to. That's right. Because that is the word of God. None of us are exempt from that. Right? Because Jesus followed it. Jesus is the ultimate example for each and every one of us. Thank you, Right. So we have to be careful what comes out of people's mouth because a lot of deception is coming out of the body of Christ. You know, did that teaching. I told you I could be on that false teach, false prophet for a whole year and still keep going because there's stuff coming out every week, which is nonsense. And it, it, let me help you out with your discernment. Be leery, be careful of when you hear people, Christians say, Oh, I pray all night. I pray all night, all the time. Be careful of that because those are the you, I come to find out, those are the ones that usually messed up. <laughs> Those are the ones that are usually out there sinning because they're going to be one way before the people and talk, and then they're going to live a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And they have no problem sinning and doing all sorts of other things, but yet, who are you praying to all that time? Mm -hmm. Because they'll make it seem like, oh, well, I pray all night, no, God's strength. No, you know what? Jesus prayed too, but guess what else Jesus did? He rested. He rested. So where else do you see in the Bible where the disciples prayed all night for hours like that? They didn't do that. Even as apostles, they didn't do that. But then now, you're going to do that. See, it, what we have in the body of Christ today, we always have to one up or two up, three up what's in the Bible. All right? So now we got, we, we, we talked about it before with the gold dust coming down. Now, if you show me manna was coming down, that's one thing because that's in the scripture. But there ain't nowhere in the Bible where gold dust is coming down. But we make up stuff that now we but people out there make up stuff, and people believe that nonsense. See, those are the Shemaliahs. you got to be leery of them. you got to be careful of those voices. You have to have discernment. Amen. All right, I think I read verse 13, right? So, all right, verse 14. My God, this is, this is uh, Nehemiah's prayer. My God, remember Tobiah and Sambalot, according to these works, according to these their works, and the prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. So he wasn't the only one. There were other priests and other prophets there doing wrong. Why? Because they wanted the money. They, they wanted whatever Sambalot was giving them. So they were basically selling their soul to Sambalot. Alright, so let's finish this. Uh, verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elera. In 52 days, and it happened when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. See, when you stay your priorities unchecked, and you stay according to God's plan, 
You don't have to defend yourself. The work and everything else will do the talking. That's right. Also, and I'm talking to myself here too. Also, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, and his son Jehonah had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechai. Also, they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. So, all these secret informers in the camp were reporting back to the enemies. So they were sitting up under Nehemiah, and every time Nehemiah told them something, they were reporting back to the enemy. And then every time the enemy would write a letter, they were speaking positive, favorable things to Nehemiah about it. But see, Nehemiah had discernment. And it's discernment that will save our lives. Amen. Discernment and wisdom will save our lives. So you would need discernment in these end times. Right? So Christians follow leaders who are charismatic. Well, guess what? The Antichrist is going to be charismatic. Mm -hmm. They follow people who have a good appearance. False teachers have good appearances. Why? Because they say what? Scripture says what? They are ravenous wolves on the inside. Right? But on the outside, because if somebody comes as a false teacher, and they're not going to come blatantly as a false teacher. No. They're going to come and try to deceive you and try to paint the word one way and then sprinkle their lies in there. And it don't take much lies in it. And then they're going to mix it up. Just like I did that dirt that time. We wouldn't, we wouldn't drink that dirt like that. Alright, so they accept, Christians accept things because it looks good and seems good. We, we have to ask God for discernment. We have to pray to God for discernment. We have to pray for wisdom, His guidance. You know, I, I say, ever since I've been saved, that's one thing I've always prayed about. Discernment. Discernment. Lord, please give me discernment. Give me discernment, Lord. Because we have to discern because, like I said, it is the familiar voices that we hear that will lead us down the wrong way. And we have to, and sometimes, the familiar voices, the friends, they don't realize what they're doing. Peter didn't realize what he was doing to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. But see, the devil used the weakness in Peter to come to Jesus, come at Jesus. Mm -hmm. And see, that's how the devil will come at us. Mm -hmm. He'll take advantage of the weaknesses that we may have. And he'll pray on it. Mm -hmm. And that's how he gets us. And we have to have discernment for those things. Alright, so discernment comes by what? The Word of God. The Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.10 which is the gift of discerning the spirits. That's one of the gifts that people rarely seek after. They always want the gift of faith, healings, miracles. But when it comes to the gift of discerning the spirits, people don't think about it. Don't even ask about it. All right? Spiritual maturity. We read this before. So let's go to it again. Hebrews chapter 5. teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. 
For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You have to be mature in the things of God in order to have discernment. Alright, so Proverbs chapter 3 says this. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 3 through 6 says this. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So we have to ask God for discernment. We have to ask God for wisdom. Especially in this last hour. Because if we're not careful, we're going to fall susceptible and become victims of false teachings and false doctrine. And that's what saved Nehemiah was the discernment that God gifted him with. That discernment that Nehemiah had caused him to not panic. That discernment that Nehemiah had caused him to go to God in prayer first and foremost. And he studied the scriptures. He knew the law. We have to know the word. That way, if we hear something that does not line up in scripture, we immediately get a check. We know. And a lot of people get deceived because they don't know the word, because they don't read the word. And the two biggest things that Christians have trouble doing is praying and reading the Bible. And studying the Bible, I should say. Those are the two biggest weaknesses that most Christians have. And this is why the church is in the state that it's in today. Alright, so I'll close with this. Nehemiah's response to the threefold attack of pretended friendship, slander, and false religion makes us admire him as a leader. But we can love and admire Jesus for more. They told Nehemiah, come down to the plain of Ono. They said to Nehemiah, but they said to Jesus, come down from the cross. But Jesus was doing a great work, the greatest work on the cross, and would not be struck, would not be stopped. They tried to distract Jesus. Come on down. They tried to discourage Jesus as well. They slandered Nehemiah, but he didn't defend himself. He spoke the truth and trusted in God. Jesus was also slandered and, and did not debate his critics. He spoke the truth and trusted in his Father in heaven. Amen. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to defend ourselves. Right? We don't have to call down legions of angels like people say that they did. No. Jesus didn't do that. So why? what, what makes us think we're going to do that? And then that, that's happening. No. Stick to the book. A false prophet offered Nehemiah an easy way out. Try to deceive him. But it was a way of fear and disobedience. Nehemiah would have none of it. Jesus was also offered a way out of the cross from Satan. Just worship Satan, and all the kingdoms of the world will be delivered to him. But Jesus would have none of it. And remember what I said. Each response that Jesus gave was, it is written, it is written, it is written. Why? Because Jesus knew the word. Because he is the word. Yes. We have to know the word. We have to know the words for ourselves. We can't depend on someone else, but we have to study the word. That is when the growth comes in. Right? We grow, we learn new things, we come together, especially as we see the day approaching. We read that scripture, we come together. <clears throat> Why? Because we sharpen each other. 
and we grow. But even while we're away from church, we have to be in this word. Because our flesh is going to get weary. Our flesh is going to, we're going to get tired as soon as we open it up. As soon as we pray, we're going to get tired. We have to fight that. Amen. We have to fight against that. Because if we give, if we give into those things, then we're never going to have discernment. And we're going to be weakened. But see, the word is what gives us strength. The word is what gives us strength for these end times. And things that are going to ramp up even more and more. So we have to be careful, we have to be guarded, and we have to have discernment. Amen? Amen. Amen.